Welcome to the Back in Action Podcast. Are you a weekend warrior, a current or former high-performing athlete, or do you just have questions about what a chiropractor can do for you in a rehab setting? Here, we'll dive into the world of chiropractic and exercise rehab and how they both can be utilized to get you back in action. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Back in Action Podcast. Um, tonight, we have a very special guest on with us. His name is Mason Sawyer. We're going to be shifting gears tonight. Um, we're going to go back to talking about mindset again. Uh, we had a lot of good feedback for from the previous episodes that we did about that. And uh, we're expecting some great feedback after tonight's episode as well. So, Mason, take it away. Just give us your background and uh, tell us your story. Um, I grew up West Jordan, Utah. Have you guys ever been to Utah before? Yeah. No, I haven't. You have where are you? I don't no, know I where you're from. I don't even yeah, know. Where you're from. I, I'm out in uh, Toronto, Canada. So I've always wanted to get down to Utah. I used to live in Arizona, but I got to get out there for sure. Yeah, I've been on a couple podcasts with uh, some Canadian podcasts. So okay, yeah, man, I meet some Canadian friends, dude. I'm all yeah, about it. You got to come up. But I, yeah, I'm uh, from I, I'm from Scranton, Pennsylvania. So I don't know if you ever heard of the Office. It's kind of a big deal, but. <laughs> yeah. Of course, I've heard of the office. You kidding me? I love the office. The minute you said Scranton, that I didn't even know that was a real place. I, <laughs> unfortunately, it is. So, is it like how they make it in the show, like pretty, like not boring, or I don't know, but you know well, what I mean? Like the honestly, show, I would say the characters that they have in the show actually, like we call them townies, and they perfectly describe every person I think I've met in Scranton. <laughs> That was too good, man. Well, you guys are cooler than me. I'm just from Utah, man. But uh, I grew up playing basketball. That was my thing. So I was a huge basketball fan. Um, And then I met this girl in high school named Courtney. And I never planned on having a girlfriend. I love basketball. I, I The way I viewed girls, they were, they were a distraction. Like, you know, <laughs> I got to play ball. But I started hanging out with this girl. And it's just like super fun and we just kind of never stopped hanging out. We became high school sweethearts. We went to every school dance together. We won the award, most likely to marry your high school sweetheart, which we ended up doing. We got married. Um, and fortunately, I was good enough uh, at basketball to to play college basketball. So I went to uh, Dixie State University. It's a, it was a Division II school at the time in Southern Utah. So I played basketball there. And Courtney got into the nursing program. And so she was going to school to be a nurse. And it was like, <laughs> we were living off of a basketball scholarship and pale grants for Courtney. Like we were just poor and just, it was awesome though. It was one of my favorite moments, like one of the my most favorite times of my life, honestly, just that struggle with Courtney. And it, it was fun. Um, but we were just poor playing ball and going to nursing school. Uh, my senior year of basketball, we had our first kid. We named him Riggins. So back to TV real quick. Have you guys ever Friday heard of it? Lights? Yeah, see, yeah, you know, there you go. <laughs> Timmy Riggins. Yeah, so Tim Riggins was our favorite character. And so we're like, let's name, let's name him Riggins. So we love that name. We had Riggins. I finished playing basketball. Courtney finishes up the nursing program. And I actually moved back to West Jordan, my hometown, and I become the basketball coach in my old high school, which was cool. So I'm, I'm the head basketball coach. Courtney's a nurse. We have two more kids while we're down there. Um, we have Blue, 
and his first name is Julian, but we all call him Blue. And then our little baby girl, Frankie. And it's funny because <laughs> um, I wanted to name Frankie's middle name Stein, like Frankie Frankenstein. <laughs> and Corey didn't go over that one though, but yeah. we got weird names, but we love it. it it's whatever. Uh, so we're just like living like the dream, as people say, just, you know, cute little family. And, you know, we weren't perfect people, but I mean, we just, you know, we're simple people living the good life. Uh, and then I get a uh, phone call and I get this job offer from Nets on Fire. Ironically enough, guys, it's back in St. George where I played college basketball. So they have this this job offer like hey we want you to run our basketball operations we want you to put aau basketball teams together and travel and coach and train guys oh that's awesome yeah i was like mm-hmm. that might sound weird to a lot of people that's literally like my dream job like that was like what like this is awesome <laughs> so uh so i tell courtney about it and she's like what that serious i'm like yeah so we go down we check it out we love it so i take the job so we move our family back to, to st george and uh, one of the one of uh, my favorite parts about St. George was my brother Race. My older brother Race lived there with his family, his wife Keisha, and they have three kids of their own. And so I get to hang out with Race all the time. And it was just really it was cool. Um, and then probably a couple weeks after that is our yearly family reunion that my family does. So like extended family, my parents, siblings, everyone goes to this thing cousins even the big thing and we usually don't miss one but we we both just took on these new jobs we had a big tournament that weekend and i'm like hey i gotta show these guys that like i'm serious like i can't just bail on the first tournament like i don't think we can go this year so me and courtney weren't gonna go and then a couple days go by that friday rolls around and courtney's sitting around like hey you're gonna be coaching all weekend it's 108 degrees outside. Like we're going to go to the family reunion. There's a lake. It'll be fun. I'm like, yeah, sounds great. I'm like, you should call race. And cause you know, same family reunion. Like you should call races, race and Keisha and maybe they can carpool with you. Or you guys can drive together. She's like, yeah, great. So she calls race and Keisha and Keisha can't go. Um, cause she has to stay for work and two of their kids can't go. Their two oldest kids. But my older brother, Race, and his youngest son, Ryder, they carpool with my family to go to the family reunion. Um, And on the way back from that family reunion on July 25th, 2021, there was a terrible sandstorm um, engulfed the highway and caused a 22-car pileup, and it killed eight people. And five of those eight people were uh, our family, my family. And I remember, uh, I remember that Sunday I got done with the tournament and I was at home and just kind of waiting around for him. I went on a little motorcycle ride and I came back um, and I thought I timed my motorcycle ride. So by the time I got back, they would be home. So I get back and they're not home yet. And I'm like, that's weird. So I go inside my house and I check my phone and I have a missed call from Keisha, my brother's <clears throat> wife. And so I call her and she says, Hey, have you heard from Keisha or race? And I'm like, no. And, um, she's like, something's not right, Mace. Like, 
something's going on. And I'm like, I think it's fine. They're just traffic. I'm sure they're running late. So I hang up the phone with uh, Keisha and I call Courtney and straight to her voicemail. I call my brother Ray straight to his voicemail. My God, that is weird. And then probably 20 seconds after that, I get a phone call and I answer and he says, Hey, this is Dr. So-and-so from Fillmore, Utah, which is basically in between the two places that we've lived, St. George and West Jordan. And he says, there's been a terrible car accident and everyone in the car is dead except one person. And so I fall, I fall to the ground and I'm in, you know, you guys have heard the stages of grief, like anger, bargaining, denial, acceptance. Yeah. I'm kind of like, it started right. I would, I'm just flipping through all of these. So I'm in denial for 10 seconds. And I remember asking the doctor, like, no, you're kidding. This is a joke. No way. He's like, I wish I was kidding. And then I'd flip to anger. And then I'd flip to shot. I was just kind of a mess rolling around the ground crying. Um, I don't know how long I was doing that for. And then I, I see my phone on the ground and, and I kind of hear the, the like one survivor, like, who is it? And my mind just kind of on its own starts flipping through everyone. Uh, like who, like who, who do we want it to be? And um, my brother race was just, he was a state championship wrestler. He got into MMA fighting He's just like a tough as nails type of guy. Um, and so when the doctor's like, there's one survivor, my mind is like, oh, it, it's going to be race. And um, it didn't bring me any joy. It um, scared the shit out of me. Because if race is the survivor, then my whole family's dead. So I'm just praying, like, don't be race, don't be race. And um yeah, I have a lot of guilt about that. And it's not as bad as it used to be. Mm-hmm. But there's a real part of me that like, like hates me about that. Like, how can you think that about your brother? And then there's another part of me that gets it. Like, no, it makes sense. Like, we get it. I don't know. Trauma is a weird thing, man. Um, So I pick up the phone and they said uh, the survivor is a three-year-old. So I drop the phone again. And um, so my wife's gone. Um, never saw her again. And, you know, the accident was so brutal. Um, couldn't even see her, couldn't even see her body. They'd let me see her hand. Like, we'll let you see her hand. Um, so I never even, um, really not a lot of closure there or anything. Just, I gave her a hug and a kiss. Um, and she left for that family reunion and that was it. Um, Riggins is gone. My five-year-old's gone. Um, Ryder's gone. Race is gone. And so he says three years old, and I'm, you know, I'm dealing with so much confusion. And I'm like, who is it? Because a, a three-year-old could be my son, Blue, or it could mean my daughter, Frankie, because they're like, in, they're both like right around that age. And Blue's really small for a three-year-old. Anyway. I think it's my daughter, Frankie. And I remember telling him like, oh, you have my daughter. And like, by the way, I'm so confused and just shattered that 
I don't even know if the one survivor is from our car or is it from a different, I don't even know. I don't know. Just one survivor. I don't know. I'm hoping it's one of our kids. And so I said, you have my daughter, Frankie. And he said, no, this is, this is not a, a girl. This is a boy. He has blonde hair, blue eyes. And uh, my son blue has blonde hair, blue eyes. So I said, Oh, you have blue. His first name is Julian, but we call him blue. That, that's my son. And he's like, well, he's not saying anything. He's not, like he's okay. He's alive. He's okay. But like, he's not talking. He's no, no identification. We can't say, we don't know. Um, so I'm hoping it's blue. And by the way, like this doctor or whoever's calling me, he may have been giving me perfect information and I'm just hearing it completely wrong. So like, yeah. it may have just been me, but, um, so, um, it was weird because like, Oh, it blues actually alive. And that feeling was just so like, wow. And then it was immediately intertwined with letting because blue is now alive. That meant uh, Frankie had to go. Um, and that crossover, like really, um, that was hard. And I don't even know why, but that was a hard one. And then, uh, um, so they said we're life lighting the the survivor to Salt Lake City to the hospital, which is a four hour drive for me, and I'm in no condition to drive. So I have my a buddy drive me, and we have to drive through the accident to get there. And we get to the hospital, and it's full of nurses. My wife's a nurse; it's just full of nurses. And um, get to the hospital room, and Blue's there, and it's Blue. And um, thank God for that. And uh, he had a couple deep cuts on his head. Uh, he broke his hand, but other than that, he was fine. He, uh, we spent a night in the hospital, and we walked out the next day and into uh, into our new life that we have now. Yeah, that's crazy. Like it's, I know. Even like when we were talking about bringing you on and just had at least a little bit of a background, but just hearing it firsthand, it's like, yeah, definitely like crazy and all the, the timeline and everything. Like I couldn't imagine what was going through your head throughout the whole process. And yeah, how to even process any of that, I feel like is like, it's like unfathomable. Like I, like I had heard your backstory obviously before, and that's why I wanted to have you on the show, but. I think hearing the like hearing you saying it and hearing the emotion behind it, like I couldn't like how do you keep going? Um, well, in I'm figuring that out. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I'm I. It's a struggle. Um, it, it's hard every day. I um, I'm not full of answers. <laughs> Like my story is not a story of me overcoming anything really. It's just dealing with it. Like, uh, mm -hmm. it hurts, man. I, and, and I've learned some things that have helped and, and I've been able to help people, which has been really, really cool. And to try to get some sense of good out of a terrible situation has been incredible. Um, but guys, like, I'm not like, I'm trying, I'm going through it every day. Um, and some days are better than others. Um, but I think one of the things that's really helped me um and it's gonna sound it's nothing new 
it's gonna sound so cliche Mm -hmm. um but just serve another like love like dude i'm full of so much pain and hate and just agony and the only answer is um love like i just try to the accents really made me really empathetic and sympathetic to others and um I don't know. Life's just hard. And I think love's the answer. And then I think uh, talking, man, like, especially for guys, yeah. like we don't, I'm screaming on the inside. I'm screaming mm-hmm. and no, no, like no, no. And um, talking about it's really scary and it's really, really hard, but it helps, man. And, and, I don't know the science behind it. Like I can't explain it, but I know from my personal experience that I'm always full of pain. But when I tell someone I'm hurting, I it's easier. Yeah. It just is. It, it's something about it. I don't know. I so those two things: love, service, like love other people, and talk. Man, tell people you're hurting. Mm-hmm. I I think that's a big thing for us too, and the profession we're going in is like you get people for maybe an hour to come in for the day. And like, you have no idea like what those people are going through. Like there's all like, yeah, it could be someone who, you know, was a little sore that day, but there could be someone that's going through like a whole bunch of shit. So like, Oh, dude, you're, you're right. Every time. So I'm, I'm a motivational speaker now. I don't know if that's what you call it because, I'm a public speaker now, but anyway, every time Mm -hmm. I get done with one of my speaking things, there's always at least one person. Usually there's a lot, but there's always at least one person that'll come up to me in tears. My dad died 20 years ago. My son died 10 years ago. Everyone like people are hurt, man. We all have something. And it's hard because I believe in like, you never want to be the victim. Like we no. But what happened to me was terrible. But that doesn't mean I can just throw my life away and just like lay in bed the rest of my life, pouting, feeling sorry for myself. Like, no, but then the accident wins. Then it owns me. No, I'm going to do something about it. Um, so you never That's wanna- honestly remarkable that you have that because like I'm trying to not that not that I would ever want like anything like that to happen, but I'm trying to put myself in your shoes to like know how I would react I I don't, I feel like I would just be so angry. And like, I know you just said, like, that's not what you should do. You should choose love. And the answer is love. But when, I don't know, I just keep thinking about it. And uh, one of the things I wanted to ask you, though, just going off of that was, what do you say to the people that are still angry or grieving if they've gone through something? Like you said, those people came up to you saying they lost their father, they lost their son. Like, what's your answer to them when they're that upset right in front of you? Um, anger, there's no bad parts. So what I mean by that is anger, that part of you that's angry is, is good. That part of you wants to help you. It loves you. It's mad. Like I just lost my family. I should be mad. That's a normal reaction, but acting out in anger, that's an incorrect form to like that. You shouldn't do that. You shouldn't let your anger control you. But so what you have to do with your anger, and this is what I've learned through therapy and, and working with my therapist, is you have to talk to that part of you that's angry and say, hey, like, I know you love me. I know I love you, but you, we have to find a better 
outlet for you to help me. It can't be anger. And so therapy has really helped. And that might just sound so bizarre to people, but that's like my mind, dude. Like I just have, there's all these parts inside my head. And my therapist has told me the part of me that's full of anxiety, the part of me that wants to kill myself, the part of me um, that wants to drink alcohol to numb the pain. All those parts of me are actually good parts. They want to help. They're just doing it in a completely wrong way. The part of me that wants to drink loves me. He's like, Mason, this hurts so bad. Let's drink and numb it, dude. I don't want you to feel it. He loves me. It's just a bad outlet. So again, it goes back to talking and having these conversations and, and talking to yourself and talking this out. Um, and then listen, if, if you're angry, then it owns you. Listen, the car accident with my family is meaningless. It doesn't mean a damn thing to anyone. It doesn't, it's meaningless, but I have the power to make it mean something. And that's what I've done. I've started a podcast, become a public speaker, reached a lot of people already and gotten really cool messages. That's all within your power of control. But like, if you let your anger consume you, you're never going to get the good parts of your trauma. You're never going to learn from it. You're just going to get the bad parts of it. If you accept it, if you're like a buffalo and you head into the storm, then you're going to get the good parts of it. It's no secret. It's no secret that failure is the best way to success. It's no secret that losing a loved one changes your perspective and makes you stronger. It's the shittiest things that make us better. That's reality. But if you're going to be angry at it, and if you can't accept it, you're not going to learn and grow from it. It's going to cripple you. And then you really lost. And if I lay in bed every night and I cry and I feel sorry for myself and I'm mean to the world, I'm just mad at everything, then my family died for nothing. They died in vain. And that's, to me, the worst thing that can happen. And, and again, like life's not fair. That's the other thing. Like a lot of people who go through really traumatic shit, this is one thing I've learned. They, they kind of get this sense like, oh, because something really unfair and bad happened to me, something really unfair and good should happen to me. Like just luck, like some, I should just get something. No, actually, no. Like who told, no, that's not how it works yeah. ever at all. You still have to show up and put work in and work your ass off despite what's happened to you. But if you can do that, with the trauma or the obstacle at hand, then that's growth. Then you become better. But then, yeah, I could go on forever. So, because here's the other thing here's a really messed up thing, guys. Okay. So, I let's say I accept it. I learn from it. I grow. I do a cool public speaking thing. People are sending me cool messages and I'm happy. And it's like, wow, look what I'm doing. This is great. You know what happens? The, the survivor's guilt. Boom, takes over. You're a piece of shit, mm -hmm. man. You're, how can you be happy? You want views on Instagram? Your family died. You're glad you're, dude, the, the thoughts that run through your head and it, it cripples you. And then you, you got to get back up and try to do it again. But dude, that survivor's guilt is a real son of a bitch because you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. It's like, if you have a bad day and you lay in bed, you feel guilty. Like, oh, my family wants me to be happy. My family's dying in vain. I'm not doing anything about it. I'm just, I'm just mad about it. You feel guilty. So what do you do? You try hard. You try to have a good day and you do have a good day. And then you know what happens? You feel bad. So like you can't win bad day. Yeah. You're going to feel guilty and survivor's guilt, man. That's the, like I've dealt with PTSD, depression, anxiety, panic attacks. By far and away, the, the hardest thing is the survivor's guilt.
for sure. And at, at what point were you, you know, at, at what point were you like, I got a, did you have like a mind mindset shift or did you like seek treatment or like, how did that kind of all come about? Like, were you stuck in kind of like this understandably, like maybe a dark place and then kind of came out of that or how did that kind of look? That's a good question. So, um, I don't think it was like any big event that like turned me around like every day I'm still struggling, but there, so I remember, dude, so after the accident, I wanted to die for a couple of reasons. One, the pain, hopefully the pain would just stop because the pain is relentless. And then if I die, I'll see them or at least maybe I'll see them. Like I want to see them just curiosity. So death to me is, is like kind of a beautiful thing it like i don't mind death but so i want i didn't want to i didn't want to live anymore but i had blue who just lost everything and there's no way i could ever do that to blue i love blue more than myself like i can't so i've never come close to taking my own life um but i don't it's just weird dude i don't know how to explain it that's why i love metallica so much they talk about this a lot in their song like you don't want to live you don't want to die and I was like that for a while and stuck in that gray area. I was just full of pain. So what did I do? I would numb it. So I would look at pictures of them. I wouldn't look at videos of them. I wouldn't talk about them. I wouldn't, I drink alcohol. I do drugs to numb the pain. I, I remember I'd get a babysitter for blue. I take sleeping pills at one o'clock to knock it out. Yeah. I just kind of run from it. I remember I, so I, back to your question. So I go to therapy and my therapist is like, by the way, therapy gets a bad rap. Therapy's awesome. Go to therapy um, and shop around. Like, get a good therapist. I sit with people like I went and didn't go good. Well, try again. Mm. Like, when you buy a house, how many houses do you look at? Yeah, it's, it's like fun. if you got you a bad a haircut, you're not going to stop getting your haircut. You're yeah, going to like someone else. Give me a break. Give me a break. So shop, but find a anyway. So I see this therapist, and he's like a he's good. Like he deals with people with high amounts of trauma. And he tells me, he's like, Mason, this is our first meeting. He says, Mason, this car accident's not about you and it's not about blue. I'm like, what? He said, this accident is about all the other people you can now help because of the, your situation. And he says, Mason, you have a real, he said, Mason, yeah, he used the word opportunity, which I like, it kind of made my stomach queasy the first, like op. Because I, I always associate opportunity with like hard work and then you get rewarded, like something good. And so when he said it, but he's right, opportunity can come from something absolutely terrible, absolutely terrible, but it's still an opportunity. It's up to you what you want to do with it. So he tells me, he's like, this, this is an opportunity for you. And then he said this, he said, Mace, he's like, I don't think anyone would blame you, me, like myself included if you wanted to just lay in bed the rest of your life or put a bullet in your head, like people would get it. He said that to me. I'm like, what? Like, you can't say that to me. I'll do it. God damn it. Like, so I'm like, what? And then he said, but Mason, or he said, someone is going to lose a spouse tomorrow. Someone's going to lose a son tomorrow. Someone's going to lose a daughter tomorrow. Someone's going to lose a, a brother tomorrow. Someone's going to lose a nephew tomorrow. You could help all of them. So you, you have this really cool opportunity. And I remember walking out of that meeting. I don't know what else we talked about the other 58 minutes, but those two minutes I remember. 
I remember walking out like, I think he's right. Um, but again, the, the toughest part about trying to help people and putting on a happy face is the survivor's guilt, man. So mm-hmm. it's back and forth, but that conversation and, and listen, so my situation is bad, but what my therapist told me is he's telling you, it goes for everyone, whatever it is, divorce, you lose your job, you lose a kid, you, you, whatever, whatever it is. I don't know. There's a million different things that can go wrong in your life. It's honest to God, an opportunity for you. And no, that opportunity is not fair. And it's not one that you wanted. And it's not one that anyone ever deserves, but it's life, man, that happened to you. You have to accept that. And now what are you going to do about it? And that's why we named our podcast, the 1090 podcast, because our favorite quote is life's 10% what happens to you and 90% what you're going to do about it. And that's the true test of who you are. And that's what pain shows you. Pain shows you who you really are, man. And then love, love allows you to change if you don't like who you are, but pain's going to show you who you are. Yeah. I was going to ask if you, um, wanted to touch up a little bit more to let our viewers know about your podcast. Like how do they find you? How can they like, um, do you have like an Instagram for the podcast or anything yeah, too yeah. that they can follow uh-huh. along with? I'm like, I'm like an 85 year old guy with the technology stuff. I, <laughs> I'm so bad, but we do have an Instagram. We have like a, a, what do we call him? He's just my buddy, but mm-hmm. what's that fancy title? He, we like to call him. He's our, oh, he's our producer, <laughs> but he's just really my buddy. That's Ryan. what Austin is for us. Yeah, he's my buddy Ryan with the camera. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, um, our producer, he, uh, um, he helps me with that stuff, but we do have a 1090 Instagram. It's the number 10 and then you spell out 90 and you'll see our logo pop up. And then we have a podcast, the 1090 podcast. It's on all the bit like Spotify, um, iTunes. It's on, it's supposed to be on everything. So whatever you got should be on there. Awesome. Yeah. Um, well, we're actually running a little short on time because just being out of school, we only get the 40 minute zooms. We didn't pay for the... <laughs> The longer ones are a little a broke right now, but we got to work on it. Too good. That's comedy, man. I love it. The struggle is real. Good oh, yeah. yeah exactly. It's definitely real. hardcore. I yeah. like it. Maybe, but, maybe a uh, month will upgrade. That's, yeah. That's too Honestly, funny. though, thank you uh, so much for telling your story and sharing that with our viewers. And honestly, the, the amount of courage you have is it is unreal. And you know, people tell me that, but let me ask you, all right, you've asked me a lot of questions. Let me ask you a question. Mm-hmm. Okay. What the hell else am I supposed to do? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. what else do you have? Like, there's not another option. You get your ass out there and you keep going. Like, because mm-hmm. the other option's not good. Right. So, so I'm glad, I'm grateful that you said that. That's kind of you. But at the end of the day, it's, it's my, it's the only card I have to play. Yeah. No, I mean, but I think the way I was thinking about it was there are a lot of people that would just fold. And I know that you said that, like, it would be understandable to do that. But the fact that, like you said, you're willing to, you love your son more than yourself and you just want to keep going and you want to get that message across to people, like, that is truly admirable. And honestly, I'm I'm excited to keep following along with everything you do and just honestly from all of us we're very very thankful that you came on yeah it was awesome i wish you guys best of luck bridget and austin you guys are awesome thanks for having me on